Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weekend Rental Podcast. This is episode three, uh, which means we are officially old enough to potty train. Uh, I am Ryan. Joined with me is Andy. Hey, how's it going? And Justin. Hello. You guys both ready to potty train? It's official. We're toddlers. Sure am. I might have an accident here or there. <laughs> That's okay. Everybody does. So what's everyone been up to? Um. Well, you know, summer means county fairs around this area, right? Of course. I live in a county of Minnesota where it's so big that they have to have two different fairs, the west side and the east side. And they do it at the same exact weekend. So it's kind of like picking, uh, it's kind of like a civil war in the county that you live in, of which fair you're going to. It's like the Crips and the Bloods, pretty much? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, just a lot more like petting sheep involved than <laughs> probably gang wars. <laughs> I don't know which is better, to be honest. <laughs> so we went we went the west side this time, because, you know, west side's the best side. Took the kids there, you know. Went on a few rides, and it was miserably hot, so we didn't stay there very long. It's usually the case. Did you get stuck playing any of those wonderful carny games? Yeah, we, uh, you know, paid a few, like five bucks just to pick up two rubber ducks. Nice. Yep. Nice. Probably won a few uh, toys that cost them maybe a quarter. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm assuming they did the thing, like, with the duck where, like, you win no matter what sort of deal. It's like yep. your kid walks out happy. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's a surefire game. For sure. How about you guys? Um, So I did a little bit of a road trip last weekend. Went to Minneapolis to catch a Twins game, and then on the way down, we stopped in New Ulm, Minnesota, and did the Shells Brewery Tour. Um, that was pretty cool. There was a lot of just talking about the history of the brewery itself and how i guess it's apparently the second oldest family-owned brewery in the country i think they said yingling was the first oldest yeah um but yeah it was cool i mean obviously you know i felt like the part of the tour you went through was kind of like their old facility they don't necessarily use so much anymore uh, minus the packaging room but it was still really neat then you got to do some samples uh, at the end which was cool and I found out they make a product, not shells, but I found this, uh, it's like a can koozie called Bottle Armor, where it looks like one of those aluminum water bottles or stainless steel water bottles, but it actually holds your entire can of beer inside of it. And then the cap comes off and you've got a bottle opener on the top. Um, and it's all insulated as well. And then it's got like a lid in the cap. So if you were to drink, I don't know why you would drink half a beer, put it in your backpack and keep going, uh, you could with this. And it's pretty awesome. I picked up a couple of those. Uh, and that might be the best invention, I think, since beer. So I was pretty happy to find <laughs> that. And then, of course, the Twins game. Yeah, yeah. And then the Twins game, of course, was uh, good as well. Uh, they won. I think this is the first time I've gone to a game for the Minnesota Twins and seen them win since I was a kid. And, yeah, it wasn't bad. Got to um, wait around and jump onto the overly crowded light rail at the end. And I had uh, armpits and assholes in my face for 40 minutes until we got back to our stop. It was perfect way to cap off the weekend yeah every time i go down there i always think you know the smart way is to take the light rail and then i always think after the game like oh man i'm so glad i'm not on there yeah yeah i uh i was like that's the first time i've ever been like man i wish i drove 
I wish I had not known because it was the, one of the longest waits to get on the light rail I've had coming back from a game period. And then it was just so crowded. Um, and then, so I, I probably shouldn't even tell the story, but luckily nobody listens to this podcast, but us, but so I love my dad. He's a real nice guy, but my dad has got this weird tendency to just, he has to talk to everybody that's around him. I, it's just built into him. I'm the complete opposite. So we got on the light rail. Of course, it's packed. And then there's these, like, I would guess 50 to 60-ish. They were probably 60s, early 60s couples. There's two couples. Uh, they're all just completely wasted, especially the women. And they're just, like, really, like, loud and obnoxious and disgusting and talking about, like, swinging and, like, diddling their husbands. And, like, the one chick's grabbing the other guy, chick's husband's butt and like and i'm just sitting there and like we had just got on and in my head i'm like don't do it don't do it and then my dad does he opens his mouth and like just opens the floodgates to invite the stupidity in and he ends up getting stuck like talking to them and they're talking to us the entire like 40 minutes back on this light rail and i was just like oh my god like if ever there was a time for my dad to just not have a conversation with a random stranger that would have been it and it was just complete hell and then as soon as they get off he looks at me he's like boy that was that was kind of ridiculous huh and i was like you initiated it like you did this oh it was so bad it was brutal on top of like you know the armpits and assholes like i already said like the tin can scenario with that on it was just like the icing of the cake it was bad (laughs) Awesome. Oh, that's pretty funny. So did you learn anything from him? Um, I learned that the one lady met her husband in Fort Collins and uh, she got so blackout drunk. She couldn't find like the hotel she's supposed to get back to apparently at this point and had the cabbie just drop her off so she could pass out on the beach, which I guess she did. You know, it was, it was kind of tough to learn anything from them because all their stories ended with I blacked out and woke up at like whatever time in this other place and they had to tell me what happened. So, um, yeah, I learned how not to be at that age, I guess. That's pretty incredible. I find, you know, like it's a, it's slight, it's mildly funny, if not obnoxious when you're 20, but seeing like two near retirement couples acting like that was kind of disturbing. <laughs> kind of impressive though, too. Yeah. Well, they can hold their liquor, I guess, to some extent. How about you, Justin? Yeah, I guess we had family reunion, what, not last weekend, but the weekend before. So we enjoyed hanging out with family, drive and whatnot. Other than that, last weekend we just kind of sat around. Um, right, we haven't done any of the fair stuff going on around here because we don't want to go there. One of our kids isn't tall enough to get on rides. The other one's questionable if tall enough. So figured we'd wait until they're both able to ride same time so next year maybe the year after we'll go try to get up some of the fairs and fair food get some funnel cakes and corn dogs right get sick from them and whatnot (laughs) yeah it's pretty much all i remember is going to the fair and eating the food and not feeling good for like a week afterwards so (laughs) i mean they do make it out of a truck right (laughs) But they're really nice trucks, so it's okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> They're not like the fancy food trucks that you see, like actually in areas like that, though, that serve food trucks. That's true. This is like the tier below that. Like this used to be my snowmobile trailer, but I cut a hole in the side of it and put a window. So now it's a food truck. <laughs> food truck. It's like a normal gas range in there. too. Yep. It's the only way to go. I hope they still have the drop down door in the back too. <laughs> it's your fire exit. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so what have you guys been watching or playing lately? I've been watching, uh, I actually just finished this show called The Leftovers. It's an HBO show. We've been kind of getting through it the last probably four months, just here and there. Um, finally through with it. It's only like three seasons long, which probably like 30 episodes altogether. So it's nothing that long, but it's probably one of the weirdest shows I've ever watched in my life. What's the premise? It's kind of like a rapture situation where all of a sudden, like 10% of the, or 3% or something like that of the population just vanishes. Okay. So a lot of the show is like trying to figure out what happened to them, but you're also following like this family and kind of what's going on with them. But it's hard to describe. I still don't know if I actually like the show or not. It's just one of the most interesting and weird shows I've ever seen. And it's almost kind of like you're in a fever dream the whole time. So do they ever at some point start finding the people again, or they just never solve the mystery? Yeah, not really. Huh. I mean, it's kind of... So to give you a premise, I don't know if you ever watch Lost. Yeah. The guy that wrote this show, I think, had a big hand in Lost. So you can imagine how this show goes as well. It's a lot like Lost, where they set up all these huge mysteries, and some of them just don't ever get... Uh, <laughs> talked about again because they can't write themselves out of the stupidity they got them in there is my pretty guess. much yeah and I, I don't at this point maybe on the second time they do it maybe that's his style <laughs> i don't know maybe he's just really good at the initial pitch and like plot of the first season and after that <laughs> it's just like the add kicks in and you can't quite figure it out sure yeah it's just it really is like half the episodes just feel like an absolute dream. It's really weird. Like, I'll give you an example. There's one episode where all the flights are kind of grounded. And uh, they have to get to Australia. So they ride on this boat with, like, this group of that, like, fantasize about this lion. And the whole time, everybody on the boat is just having sex with each other. The whole time. What? Yeah, well, it's an HBO show, for so that's okay, part of it. Yeah. But And then this one guy sees this other guy just push a guy off a boat and pretty much kills him. So this guy is, like, going around t trying to tell everybody, like, hey, he just witnessed a murder and nobody cares. So it's it really feels like, hey, that seems like a dream somebody could have, you know, like where you see that and you're in a weird situation and nobody even listens to you. <laughs> yeah, it seems a little nuts. It does sound very lostish, though. You're right. It is. It is very lostish, but at the same time, like the characters are very weird themselves too. And you get so you got through the whole series, like it's yeah, done now. It's, yep, yep. That was the final thing. How many oh. seasons was there? It's uh, only three. Three. And the only reason we watched it because I saw on Metacritic that like 
the last season had like a 98% or something, which is insane for a TV show. Right. And I don't know if I could give it that. It definitely seems like something a critic would really love, but <laughs> it's a show that I, I think I enjoyed, but I could not recommend it to anybody else. <laughs> but at least it's off your list now, huh? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, through Hulu or was it on like, HBO? They have like yeah, a... that was it. Yeah, HBO Go. HBO Go. Yep. Nice. I suppose it's one of those things too where if you're already paying for HBO Go, you might as well watch everything they've got available. Right. And now Game of Thrones started back up, so that's the real reason I have it. I heard that. I've heard a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, I've also been playing uh Marvel Heroes Omega on the PlayStation Four. That came out not so long ago. Is that a fighting game? No, it's actually Diablo. It's a free to play Diablo, basically. I played it on the PC when it came out probably a couple of years ago. Played quite a bit of it then. And then they kind of retooled it now for like a console release. Does it have like randomly generated dungeons? Uh, no. It's not random, um, but it's more like an MMO in a lot of spots too. Okay. Got leveling and whatnot? Or... Yep. Leveling, gear, and all that. I think PlayStation, you get a free player, or, you know, the where they get the money is buying extra characters you know other superheroes right and that was just made available yep i think it's been out maybe a month now or something like that oh yeah i'm having a lot of fun with it and i assume you can do like multiplayer online co-op sort of crap yep yep you can even do couch co-op which is pretty crazy for oh yeah 2017 that's nice so how do you i mean is there quests or is it just killing stuff uh, there's a story, and then there's, like, um, a couple other, like, basic arena modes that they kind of have. Mm-hmm. And it's very much, like, getting your guy to level 60 and then, like, grinding out some extra gear and stuff like that. Or you get another character. But overall, like, you know, most of those games work on, like, different currencies, right. like most free-to-play games. And this one seems pretty generous. Like, I could... I've played just a little bit i've probably grinded enough to earn you know another 20 dollars character for free so i think i will have to look into that one that sounds good yeah yeah and then i guess i'm a little superhero crazy like usual so i uh been playing injustice 2 which is a fighting game that's more that's on the dc side <clears throat> i played the first one for quite a bit you did yeah i haven't played injustice 2 at all but i've played a decent amount of the first one. I think we co-op that one, didn't we? Yeah, I think we did a share play one night and just for like two hours went through playing every character just because we wanted to see all their specials, which I think is kind of the draw to the game for me anyway. Yeah. Plus those like the Injustice Mortal Kombat games, the the stories that they have in them are really good for a fighting game, I would say. Yeah, the visuals are always impressive too. Right. It's just like cutscene, like right into a fight, and then right into a cutscene, right into a fight, which is kind of cool. Plus, Injustice is like really dark for a <laughs> for you know a superhero thing, which usually you think of kids now. But wow, oh. so like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't weren't they kind of um, I don't know douchey with uh, pay to play with characters at launch already? Like, weren't they just 
an extra dozen characters that they wanted to do to pony extra money up for. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. And that's the thing that bothers me with like all those Nether Realm games is like if you just wait a year, you just get the ultimate edition you get the or whatever. First season, yeah. Right. Which, you know, bothers me because I have like the collector's edition of the first one. And that's not the go to one to have, you know? It doesn't include everything. It doesn't have all the DLC characters in it. Yeah, which seems kind of insane. Right. Yeah. yeah. Overall, having a lot of fun with it. I'll probably just play through the story. I'm not a guy that's like really going to get into fighting games, or I hardly pay attention to all the combos and stuff. I just mainly button mash my way through it. <laughs> yeah, that's it's kind of me too. And like you said, like the specials are, you just fill the bar up, hit the two buttons, and see what the special is, and move on to the next character, right? Yeah, which I think you know for. You know, like you said, someone like yourself or me that's not going to get a ton of time into something like that, it's at least a draw for the casual fighting audience. Yeah, for sure. How about you guys? <clears throat> so I've been playing a fair amount of Cluster Truck. It was on the PlayStation 4 Flash sale the other week, I think. So I grabbed that for like 6 bucks or 5 bucks. That's an interesting game. It's kind of um, <clears throat> a first-person perspective game where you're just essentially... Um, completing short levels of obstacles on top of semi-trucks. And, you know, there's just different ways that the level plays out or reacts and different uh, forces that come into play. It kind of, honestly, it it, it feels like a mashup between, like, uh, Mirror's Edge and, like, a Super Meat Boy where you're just constantly, you know, failing and restarting. Uh, and it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's kind of dumb. It's it's a kind of a modern day arcade game where you just pick it up and play it for an hour and pull through a few levels and then put it down and come back later. It's, it's really good. So when you say mirror's edge and meat boy, when you die, is it an immediate respawn? Um, you can hit X to respawn. Okay. So, it's so immediate, yeah, it right? is immediate. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, I guess a meat boy was that way too, right? Where you like press the button to restart, but yeah, you're right back in that level at the beginning and the levels aren't too long. I think maybe, you know, a minute, and a half if that tops for some of the longer more thought out ones um but you kind of start off just like hopping on the back of trucks and like doing kind of parkour stuff um and there's like little subtleties to it where <clears throat> it's more than just jumping from truck to truck you get unlock extra abilities based on your performance and levels you can get things like double jumps jet packs um forward dashes and then there's Things that you figure out as you're playing where you're going to need to like hide on the hood of a truck to get under certain obstacles. Then if you leap towards the back of a truck, you can actually catapult yourself in the air and jump like several stories high. Something you couldn't do unless you time it just right. Uh, and then like your weight on the trucks themselves will shift how they move slightly. So you can use that to your advantage too. There's a lot of little like subtleties to it. Uh, my only major complaint is that you cannot change the default control layout and... Jump is mapped to X, which in a game where you're moving vertically a lot and you need to see where you're coming down on, you're using the right stick to you know move that view with the camera um, and control your character with the left thumbstick. So using X to jump kind of makes it impossible to really use the right thumb thumbstick to look down, at least effectively. Um, so it kind of makes some of your lands, especially when you're jumping from farther spots, um, more difficult than they need to be. You're kind of sort of just guessing where the truck's going to come in under your feet instead of actually being able to see it so i was like initially like the first thing i wanted to do was like i want to change a jump to r3 and i wasn't able to do it which is kind of a bummer but 
<clears throat> that's my only real complaint. It's it's well worth the five bucks that I paid more. It's a game I kind of was aware about aware of on PC for quite a while, and I just never really realized it was on PS4. So when it came up in that sale, I grabbed it. Yeah, that sale was kind of uh, crazy too. <clears throat> yeah, it was definitely a decent one. Those those flash sales have been really good in general. And actually, uh, right now another game that I'm playing, they've got Sony's got the totally digital sale. Um, so they're doing discounts on digital only titles and digital pre-orders, and they're doing I think four weeks of sales on this. Um, and this one is really good too, especially for indie titles. Like there were several games with your PlayStation Plus membership that were under two bucks or under three bucks, um, including a bunch of SNK fighters. They, they were like $4, I think, um, super cheap. So I picked up a few games off that. I think I spent like eight bucks, got four new games. And one of them I got was Anomaly 2, uh, which is a game I'd never heard of, but I've been playing quite a bit. So it's a tower defense game but done kind of completely differently because normally in a tower defense game, you're kind of like plotting out your gear or your route. And then you just kind of wait to see how it plays out and see if you passed or failed. But in this one, you've got that going on, but instead of setting up towers, you're actually the infantry. And then on top of that, you play a commander character who's outside of the, the machine. So you're setting up your, artillery who's driving through the course to take down towers but then you're also playing a separate character who has the who has the ability to run out drop power-ups drop emps distract turrets and towers so that they don't shoot your vehicles um so there's a lot more interactivity with it which is a really good idea to be honest because it's not quite the same old same old you get a little bit more to do you're constantly moving and shuffling with something so I'd highly recommend that one. I think it was like two forty nine, and I've already sunk I don't know four or five hours into it. Huh? Yeah, that's that's cool. Like that tower defense, where you also something that's running around actually setting up the stuff as well as kind of defending yourself is kind of a cool thing. Yeah, it makes it a much more like continuously engaging game. Whereas a lot of I feel like a lot of those other tower defense games, I'm sitting there just hammering the fast forward button. Um, but this one, not so much. It's it's really good. When you switch back and forth, then that must kind of throw you off a little bit for the towers. Like, well, and that's the thing is like you never play as a tower. You only play as the character running around, and then you just manage infantry. Like, um, basically, you just manage assault vehicles. So basically, instead of playing as the tower in the tower defense, you're playing as the enemy in normal tower defense games. So, like, you're building your machines to go through the towers and take the towers out, which is cool. And I think there is, like, two-player co-op and online multiplayer where you can change the gameplay to actually be the person who controls the towers versus controls the vehicles. So you can play both sides if you want. I haven't dove into that, though. I've just been playing the story mode. So you're basically just running around managing a convoy of, like, tanks and military vehicles. It's cool. That is really cool. Yeah. I'd go buy it. It's cheap. Is that sale still running? Uh, the totally digital sale? Yeah, I think it just started the other day. So yeah, it's still up. I would grab that one. There were a couple others I grabbed that were just too cheap. That I think I bought Tesla Grad, um, some Breakout Clone, and then something else. And they were all like a buck fifty. So I want to get that Pyre. I think just came out. I want to yeah. try that one. I think that one's on that sale. I think you're right. 
the way that one was pitched to me, it's like, what if NBA Jam was a RPG? It's like, yep, I'm, I need that. <laughs> that doesn't need, I can't even compute what that would be. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I guess I haven't really switched games too much. I've been playing some Diablo 3 in season mode. Um, Tyler and I started seasonal characters the other, I don't know, a few days ago. See what that's all about. I never really got too far when we tried before, so. I think it's pretty much just pets or something you unlock. I don't I don't really know what all you get, but figured to try it out. It's going good. We're level like level forty or forty five or something, so cruising. Is through. it worth doing rather than just continuing to grind away at your paragon or I don't know. <laughs> we were talking because neither one of us have done the season mode and it shows like stuff that you can get and it's different like uh gear sets which I'm pretty sure you can just get them in the game anyways. And there's a pet. So I guess I'll see once we get 70 and finish the story mode and see if it's worthwhile. Sure. Did you get the Necromancer DLC then? I did not. He did. And okay. that, it destroys. Like It's extremely powerful. I started over again as Witch Doctor, and he started as Necromancer. And with all of our pets all together... We just run through and destroy everything. Like, I think the Necromancer gets like 30-some pets as well, with all the skeletons and uh, mage ghosts that they summon. Nice. Kind of an interesting character. What is the ranking system for a season, then? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I was looking through, because, well, we got a friend that played quite a bit on PC, and he was trying to explain it to us because we didn't have it on console. Now that it's on console, I never actually got through and progressed to actually see what it is. Because I think once you get to 70 and you start doing riffs, then you actually get into like the the rankings for the fastest time and highest rift that you can do. Um, really? Like solo with two, three, four people. And then it's actually like kept track on leaderboards for the highest rift and the fastest time it's done huh. and what class you were um, I think there's a couple of statistics too that it tracks but I can't remember offhand it's kind of just stuff that I want to see so once I get there I'll know more <clears throat> it's kind of funny that they even bother making you go back through then you know what I mean Like they should almost just bring you in at max for whatever character you pick and then you do your loadout and start jumping right into rifts. Because are you going back through the same story? You have to do the same story. Like You have to go through and complete all of the story Gosh. to unlock the endgame stuff I, from what it looks like. And you'd have to do that in theory each season. Yeah, I'm guessing so. Oh. I don't yeah, know I if don't... I like that, but <laughs> yeah, the rest of it the... sounds cool. Like I don't know if your Paragon transfers over, because once you get to 70... On the season, I assume you start getting Paragon then, too. But I don't know if it connects with your out-of-season Paragon or not. I think they would have to separate them, right? Because otherwise, somebody who sunk hours and hours in would have a clear advantage over you know, somebody else if they're trying yeah. to like put rank you know, leaderboards and stuff. Yeah, I would assume that it's separate. 
Again, I guess. Interesting. Let's see when I get 70. It's it's just kind of strange. Like, they should just start you 70 with just, you know, gold or yellow gear or whatever it is. Rare gear. Like, nothing extremely good. And then let you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the making you go back to the story mode. I mean, because if you're someone who's going to be getting into seasons, you're obviously already probably invested into Diablo 3 pretty hardcore. I want think you'd need to see the story for the tenth time, right? Although it, it, you do run through it pretty quick, like we're forty five and we haven't even or forty one, somewhere in there, and we haven't even finished the first episode, <laughs> our first oh, act. Oh really? Yeah, like we've been playing on. I think it's torment one or two. So, we've been cruising, but we still then we have what four more acts to go through. Interesting. But once we get. I suppose 70 will start getting better gear and just be able to destroy even faster through the story mode. So it'll be better geared by the time we get done with it to do rifts. But... Nice. Well, I might have to try that at some point, but I don't know if I'm going to buy the Necromancer or not for 15, if that's really the only addition. Yeah, it seems like it's only the class and then the gear that goes along with the class, and then there's a set of wings that came with it. Other than that, it appears like everything else is already in the game, because there's been a couple bosses that we ran into on what we played on our other characters one night before we decided to do this season, and one of the rifts we started was, again, another boss that hadn't seen, that I know of, where it's... Was they added new rift guardians? I think so. That's cool. Because um, it, it was one that summoned a lot of poison puddles <laughs> instead of, like, you, you know, you always have the ones that summon poison puddles, but it was a lot more than normal. So hmm. I assume it's a different boss. Plus, he looked a little bit different, too. But Oh, that's cool. Okay, let's talk about uh, some new releases, I guess. Uh, the big one this week would be Splatoon 2. Did you guys play Splatoon at all, the first one? I have not. I own it. Um, it's still shrink-wrapped from two years ago, I think. Really? Yeah. See, that's disappointing to hear. Splatoon is a really cool game. Uh, I burnt out on it really quickly. But it's a the take that it has on first-person shooters where you're painting the floor and the ceiling and the walls instead of actually, you know, shooting people as the main objective is really creative. I mean, it's, it's totally a Nintendo style of game. It's a Nintendo solution, I should say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've only ever heard good stuff about it. I just never <clears throat> got around to putting it in. I've actually been thinking I should play the original um, before they decide to shut down servers and the community's completely gone. <laughs> Which probably would happen sooner than later, but yeah, uh, especially with the second one out, it kind of seems like Splatoon is just Splatoon Deluxe for the most part. I mean, there's there's new maps and new weapons and stuff like that, but it's the same game. And I don't know with shooters, it kind of gets to be that way anyway. I mean, once you you can't really change the base game around too much. That's true. Isn't there that new like what is it like Salmon Run or something mode? 
Oh, I have not heard about that. Yeah, I think it's like an onslaught mode where, <clears throat> like, fish attack and you have to, like, fight waves and waves back, which sounded pretty appealing to me. I kind of always enjoy those type of game modes. Sure. Yeah. And then I'm sure I'll I've... get it at some point. But well, Yeah, it seems like a must-get if you've already got the Switch. Yep. And then they um, launched, I heard, their highly successful voice chat app that everyone is just in love with and is just plotting Nintendo for the functionality that they've built in with this. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody has the phone already. Why why not just put it right into your phone, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was their idea, <laughs> which sounds good on paper, but I can't believe it's, it. It almost sounds like the, the businessman on the top said that and they didn't have any engineers present to help make that decision. It just seems like at some point somewhere should have been like, Hey guys, this is a really shit idea. Like really bad. Like maybe we shouldn't do this. Right. Yeah. I mean, like the big thing that I've heard so far is like, you have to prevent your phone from going into sleep mode. Otherwise it shuts down the app, which makes sense. I mean, the, the, the OS has permission above. I, I believe so. But, I mean, think of, like, the alternatives. Like, you could have Discord on your phone, and I guarantee you that could run in the background. I wouldn't need the screen blaring the entire time, right? Or, like, you know, your music, your... I mean, I can have that app on in the background, and my screen can go blank. It just seems like a huge oversight to do that. That's true. That that was just the first thing that I assumed was there was something on the West that they weren't able to get permission on, and they would just shut it down. You know, that would overrule whatever their app wanted to do yeah I don't, yeah i think they're gonna have to fix that i mean that's gonna be the number one thing to address i mean <clears throat> when the switch's battery life is already minimal i mean are you really gonna try and nuke someone's phone battery in like 30 minutes i mean that's not i mean none of these smartphones will last that long with their screen on you can turn the dim or the brightness down though it'll last quite a bit longer but... yeah i did hear some people say they've done that and they like, turn their brightness down to the lowest setting and they could get 45 minutes out of it. I mean, granted, that, that mileage will vary with your phone. but. And then uh, another thing I noticed is like there's an official accessory for the dog bone um, controller. Is that what they call that one? The little one you slap your Joy-Cons into? Oh, sure. Um, the... That holds your phone on the controller like as an attachment. <laughs> but the attachment holds the phone um, horizontally. But the app doesn't allow the text to shift. Like, you know, with any other app, you'd shift, but it doesn't work like that. So you've got this stupid attachment, and then you have to either turn your controller sideways or tilt your head to read what's on the screen. I mean, what? Wow. Again, this is another glaring oversight in an already stupid premise. But, I mean, if you were going to make something like this, just, like, little details, kind of important. It's really strange because, I mean, that was the big thing. They teamed up with this mobile development company to do their online and like, what are they doing? Like, how do they not know this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. This is basics. I just, I don't think they're going to get online. To, I mean, at this point I've only ever heard people mention that like, they're just going to stick with discord. I mean, and why wouldn't you, but if they can't figure out a way to integrate voice chat natively into the switch itself, I don't think they're going to be able to ever pull off a true, successful online gaming community i mean you're gonna have your hardcore people that will just do it but i mean most people don't want an online experience without voice chat especially in a game like that that requires strategy and planning oh yeah for sure it really is remarkable that you know 
they have to know that first first experiences with something are very important to onboarding customers yeah. to a product and to fail that miserably like it's done for like all those people that are on it they're not going to try next time you know right well i just think back to like justin and i you know and he didn't have you know he borrowed the wii u so we could play monster hunter 3 ultimate and just the entire ordeal of trying to get into voice chat without a centralized voice chat system on the console itself and just the quality of it and the hoops we had to jump through um you know we never played that game again for that reason at least not online multiplayer are you sure it wasn't because it was monster hunter monster hunter is amazing (laughs) how dare you i love that game i'm so pumped for monster hunter on the ps4 like i cannot wait it might not be too bad on ps4 compared to nintendo like it was just a terrible setup for the voice chat it literally took what an hour probably to get everything working so we could actually talk well, yeah, because you have to walk to a certain spot in the game world to, like, request it from one of those stupid, like, <laughs> cat people things. It was dumb. It was real dumb. That's where I'm really hoping with Capcom bringing Monster Hunter World to Xbox and PS4 that, like, we can actually get. Because I'd love to get a group together and do that. I mean, assuming that they keep the gameplay relatively intact, it looks like they're taking some liberties with the formula, too, but we'll see. Sure. Let's make it smoother. Yeah, I'm... I'm looking forward to that. And then Nintendo's also got that new 2DS XL coming out, I see, this week. So you say those words, and I have no idea what that even means. Isn't it great? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the naming conventions are just fantastic. Nintendo and Microsoft both just like get together and plan them out. Like, how convoluted can we make this? And then they just try to one-up each other. <laughs> so it sounds like it'll be... So the whole, it's kind of funny because the whole premise of the 2DS initially was that it was more of a kid-friendly shape, um, no folding hinge, both screens were essentially just kind of on this slab, um, and it was also their entry-level 3DS, which there, that's confusing as hell, and that was kind of the intent. It was the 3DS that was shaped more like a, I don't know, Game Boy, uh, that did not have 3D capabilities although you could still play 3ds games hence the 2ds and the terrible name sure so the one thing that i wouldn't take i mean the name says sure it's 2d but all the other things of that form factor seem way more different than just the oh we took the 2d or we took the 3d out of it you know Mm -hmm. whereas it looks like the new one is just a 3ds xl just they took the 3d out a new 3DS XL because it's got that little knobby control stick. Yeah, that's right. That, yeah. That nothing uses. Right. Well, there's like two games, right? <laughs> I think a Monster Hunter game uses it and then maybe something else. <laughs> but I think it'll be 150 bucks, which is $50 under what a 3DS goes for right now. Is that right? Or a new 3DS? Not factory sealed new. The new. Sure, that sounds right. But it's like hundred dollars more than what a regular 2ds is at this point right yeah i think they're like 79 bucks i see them for all the time at target i don't know if that's normal price or sale but i think you've got some advantages because you do have that extra thumbstick and you've got the clamshell design to close it and protect your screens which i think is a bonus i think i've not owned a 3ds i think i'm gonna grab one of these on friday though because there's enough games in the back catalog and i find them cheap and i'm all game hunting that 
for 150 bucks. It'll be the one system I have that'll play all of that. And I'll probably never use it too much, but I think the form factor is decent and the price is right. Plus, it's probably going to be the most collectible one, right? Yeah, it kind of seems like it's right on the verge of becoming the Game Boy Advance Micro. I mean, it's going to be released right at the end. I mean, essentially, the 3DS is dead. The Switch is taking its place, even though they say it's not. It is. So I would agree with that. And then, Andy, you you pre-ordered another fine piece of Nintendo hardware. Do you want to get into that? Did I pre-order it? You went through the act of pre-ordering it. Yes, it like it was all pretend. It was all a made-up thing, and it seemed like it was real, but I guess not. Um, yeah, I, Walmart put up a pre-order system for the Super Nintendo Classic, <laughs> and it was up for a good half hour. And by the time that I was getting to it, it spread like wildfire across the internet. So it was amazing that I got mine in. I thought it was maybe a little bit too good to be true. But then I was like, oh, but they did say they were going to make more of them this time. So, hey, I was given credit to Nintendo. Just a few hours ago, I got an email from Walmart saying, yeah, we mistakenly put that uh, page up and we're canceling everybody's pre-orders. So this is the second time that I've had a retro system from Nintendo canceled on a pre-order. How does that make you feel? Uh, kind of done with it. I mean, last time I was like, oh, I'm not worried about it. I'll just I'll just pick one up when they're going to be all over, when everybody buys what they want, and then they're just going to be on shelves, which obviously never happened. Right. And this time, I don't know what they're thinking. Like, it doesn't seem like they're going to do pre-orders. It seems like they're telling retailers not to do pre-orders. I think you can't do a pre-order on a limited release like this. To be honest, I don't think that's fair. Um, so I hope they don't actually do legitimate pre-orders, although I think Amazon's been doing some in the UK. Is that right? Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. But Yeah, that's such a ridiculous thing for Walmart to do that. I wonder how many of these pre-orders they took. I mean, it's pretty public. Everyone's pissed off. I know I was mad when you sent me the text that you'd pre-ordered, so I jumped out there, and I couldn't get one. They were already done. <clears throat> and I was super disappointed, but now I'm hearing this, I... I guess I kind of lucked out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's amazing to me, like, today when all these emails come out, like, how many people, it was like a half hour window on a random day, and how many people, pretty much, I would say at least 60% of the people I follow on Twitter, 60% of the people, the forums that I'm on, they had a pre-order as well. And just, you know, this half hour on a random right. day. It's amazing how fast word can travel like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, I... It did really blow up on social media. And it's a bummer it's not going through, but what do you do, you know? I, yeah. I don't really blame Walmart either. Those mistakes happen. I'm not going to get upset at them. Like, <laughs> But they are definitely feeling the wrath, though, of the internet, though. They've pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> sure. But, like, it's not like it's not like they waited until launch day and then right. canceled. Yeah, you it was know, like they, a two-day turnaround. There's still plenty of time for other people to be like, okay, well, that didn't work. It was the only option anyway. <laughs> it was the first option that ever presented itself. So That's very true. Well, I'll make you a deal. When I go try to find mine, if I can get my hands on two, I will grab an extra one with you in mind. Sure. Yeah. And then how many on top of that are you getting? I'm going to buy as many as I can possibly get. Yep. Build a fort. Yep. That's my 401k. Yep. 
I I I think if if you show up at in store on launch day, you'll get one. I really hope so. I hope people are able to get it this time. And when I say people, I mean people who actually want to use it and enjoy it, not just throw it on eBay for four times the price. Right. Which is going to happen. You have to imagine most retailers are going to put a limit on it too. They know better this time yeah. around. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a one per store deal. Most of them, like, I would imagine your Best Buys and your Targets are going to be handing out, you know, slips of paper to people standing in line. Yeah. And then, you know, and hopefully maybe there's going to be more available online right away too and people can just get them through their Targets and Best Buys online at midnight. That's how I got lucky enough to get my S- or my NES Classic. I just happened to get one in the cart and it actually arrived. It took a couple of weeks, but thank God. Wow. And you got an email that said it was canceled too, didn't you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did. I got kind of nervous and I was kind of freaking out. Then it ended up being like reinstated and back in stock and got it. So you, you're saying there's a chance on my Walmart pre-order here? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I <laughs> would just kick back, wait for that thing to show up. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be good. Yep. No problems, right? No. You know, next February I'll be probably email them and say, where's my <laughs> Super Nintendo? <laughs> yeah, you got to give it at least six months. I mean, you don't want to... <laughs> Be the overreacting consumer. Yep. <laughs> Have you guys been following this Pokemon Go uh, fest that they had in Chicago last week? I just kind of became aware of it a couple of days ago. I got kind of a rundown of the shenanigans that happened. Yeah, I have been following it with the Legendaries released and the terrible setup they had for <laughs> people and cell networks going down. Yeah, could you imagine essentially paying making your vacation for that and then it not working you know right yeah there was one person um that was interviewed by must have been a youtuber or something i seen the video on twitter and uh they flew from australia i think it was oh my god to chicago to chicago (laughs) got there and they couldn't check in like they gave you a what one of them codes to scan to show that you checked in and then you would get your legendary one of the legendary birds that was released yep. and they couldn't scan in and then uh, so flying over however much the tickets costed the original ticket to the fest in Chicago hotels whatnot, they are getting reimbursed the ticket for the actual Pokemon Go Fest in Chicago and then getting a $100 credit and what pokey coins it doesn't offset the couple thousand that they spent you know yeah <laughs> well and wasn't the event ticket only 20 bucks yeah oh, i don't know how much it was i think it was 20 so you're basically getting 120 bucks back off of like a three thousand dollar trip <laughs> yeah he was pretty angry i don't blame him but the whole situation like you know how many tickets you sold you know how many people are going to be there. You might want to look into figuring out a way to handle the cell usage, I guess, or Wi-Fi. I don't know exactly what it was that went down, but yeah, I mean they didn't have Wi-Fi set up. Yeah, because it was the LTE or like 4G, 3G coverage through AT and T and like other providers that they didn't think to boost. Right, like that was the big issue, and they had no Wi-Fi hotspots or anything like that. You would assume they would have. Yeah nuts yeah that's 
And, you know, they, they had like the CEO of the company come on stage and everybody is just booing him. Yeah, I was watching the clips of the water bottles being thrown at the poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was like your moment to shine, you know? You plan this and then you just get booed. The way that they do it, though, because when the game was released, how long did it have issues? Because it was more downloads than they expected. Like, everything that they've done so far has been... They haven't expected high enough numbers, so they should have been prepared, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I haven't played it in quite a while, but yeah, when it first launched, like it just didn't seem like they were adding enough servers to the cluster to make it work, which seems like pretty cheap. It's like, that's yeah. the time to make money. I don't know why they weren't scaling it up. I still play daily, but... I liked the one news story I saw where they like just quoted some guys like Twitter, and it was like, this is the worst time I've ever had doing anything in my life ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just a glowing review of the event. But, yeah, I don't know how you bounce back from that. Well, they did uh, extend the event, because what the idea behind it was is, I believe, you had to catch so many kinds of Pokemon. Uh, like, um, water, fire, I suppose, lightning or whatever. I don't know what all the kinds are, but offhand, but you had to catch so many of each one to unlock different rewards for like, you know, double XP, double candy, um, egg walking distance shortened and stuff. And they ended up basically just giving those rewards because nobody could log in. So they gave out those rewards initially, which then allowed Legendary, the two Legendaries, to be released. And then they also extended it, because it was supposed to end Monday, and they extended it up to Thursday, so tomorrow, at like, I don't know, 5 Central or something. So I guess in-game-wise, they're kind of trying to make it come back. Huh. What a cluster truck. <laughs> Right? Hey oh. Have you guys played the new Crash Bandicoot remaster? I have. It is hard. That's what I've heard. It's they've kind of changed some things and made it a little bit harder. Yeah. I don't know if if they actually like how they made it dif more difficult, but as far as the gameplay if it, back in the day we were just used to um not as good a response time on the buttons or if they actually made the levels harder with different mechanics. But I have such a hard time jumping little gaps <laughs> that you should be able to jump. I think they did say they came out and said that they did change the jumping physics. Is that what it is? Yeah, they they made a statement, like, kind of unapologetically saying, like, we tried to get it as close as we could. So you might need to use more skill. <laughs> I have none. Yeah, that doesn't get better with age. No, and I feel like some of it is it's not what people remember, but also... Those early Crash games, especially the first one, I think people forget that those didn't control particularly great. Especially the first one was kind of a lot of cheap deaths, and it was hard to gauge depth. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think I think some of it is, is it is in fact different. I again I have not played it, but then some of it is just people looking back. You know, it doesn't quite meet what they remember. Yeah, I remember getting stuck in animation quite a bit with Crash. The one I've played the most is probably Warped, I guess, and I haven't got to that yet. 
And I think Warped was the most polished of the three, you know, being the third in the installment. I think that one, I actually played that one on the PlayStation a couple of years ago. And that has held up pretty well. I think they've they got kind of more of the controls down at that point. But Crash 1, for sure, I remember struggling on that and running out of lives several times and, mm. yeah, glitches and issues, so. Right. Mm. But I guess it's sold well enough that we might start seeing some new Crash games. Yeah, but what are those going to be, though? You know, are they going to go back to original roots like this? Maybe, if this is what they sell, or are they going to go back to kind of what they were putting on at the end there in their late 2000s? Yeah, and I'd never played anything past PlayStation. I mean, I played, I think there was like another kart racer that got released for like the Xbox and GameCube and stuff. I've played that, but not any of the mainline Crash games. Were they quite a bit different? Uh, they're not a whole lot different. A lot of them turned into like more, you know, Mario 64, huge levels type instead of just tunnels. Plus, they weren't made by Naughty Dog either after the PS1. I suppose, yeah, they'd moved on to other stuff. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. But I could see I could see that being successful if it's done well. There isn't a whole lot of uh, 3D mascot platforming available anymore. Yeah. Hey guys, guess what? What? Atari's back. <laughs> Their logo's back. Yes. All the merchandise that you could possibly want. And then some. I feel like people are getting way too excited. They're like, Atari, you know, the, the it seems like the general masses are all like, well, Atari's back, but it's not Atari. I mean, Atari was divided, resold, rebranded. Like, this. There's some new group that's going to be making games again, supposedly, in systems, but it's kind of just, they have the shell of the corporation with the logo, but, I mean, really, this is a completely different beast, is it not? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, like, their CEO just commented that Atari is a lifestyle brand. What does that mean? <laughs> exactly. Certainly not games first, I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous thing I've heard. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I... The hats... I'm intrigued by the hats. I would like an Atari hat with Bluetooth what speakers in the brim. I'll I'll get on board with that. I, I, I won't buy it, but I want to see somebody else buy it. I want to buy it and walk around just, like, blasting some, like, death metal, like, walk through the mall. Yeah. Just... Who's this strange adult man with this weird hat and this awful music? Yeah, imagine like not having to carry that huge boombox on your shoulder as you walk down the street. That's kind of what they, you know, they're bringing these 80s dreams back to life. Where... Yeah. Well, I mean, if anything, it shows the inventiveness of this new Atari. I mean, they completely saw a need for a product that had been disregarded. I mean... Hat technology has now progressed in decades, and now they've made this amazing breakthrough. I cannot wait. Yep. All of those people that have that lifestyle of layering music in public. <laughs> so are these speakers on top or on the bottom? I think they're on the bottom of the brim from what I saw in the photos. So if you're wearing and, it frontwards and you have glasses? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Well, yeah, and then the thing is too is they've I think they've said they're rechargeable, but they haven't shown details on how they recharge. I don't know. The whole thing is just sort of ridiculous. Plus you need two for surround sound. 
Right. <laughs> well, and didn't they say you're going to be able to link? Like, if you're next to a friend who's got one, you can, like, share the the audio. Really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, that made it so much better. If I can, like, Bluetooth connect to somebody else's hat and start playing my music out of their hat. We should get these for MGC. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should. We'll just walk through all playing Eye of the Tiger on loop. <laughs> or <laughs> maybe some Rick Asley. We'll just rickroll everyone. It'll be great. Yeah, they're making a Blade Runner one, too. A Blade Runner hat? Yep. Oh, God. Because, you know, they're thinking in the future. Oh, they're, yeah. They're a forward-looking company. <laughs> so, beyond the ridiculous hat, they are going to be doing a new Atari console, a.k.a. the Atari box, correct? Yeah. I kind of like the way it actually looks. It looks decent. I think it's been dispelled now that it's not just an Android box. It will be using like PC parts and I assume running Linux would be my guess. But kind of just looking at that form factor and looking at the the outs on that, I kind of sort of wonder if they're not just throwing a Raspberry Pi 3 in there. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, if it's not just that, it it's just a clone of that, right? Right, <laughs> right. And then they're promising Atari Classics as well as new games, which I think is the piece that's the most interesting and I think also the piece that's completely not truthful or going to happen. Right. What are those new games? Are they mobile games? Right. You know? And, I mean, they don't have development studios. I mean, they might be able to get in contact with people, but, I mean, it's not like Atari has developers anymore, not in-house. Because didn't they shutter that division of... I mean, there hasn't been an Atari game in, I don't know, several years. Yeah, I think, and even then they were publishing. I don't think they were even making them. Right. I don't know. <clears throat> I think, I mean, they're going to Kickstarter with that, aren't they? Yeah. The system, I, I just, I kind of don't even see this getting kickstarted. It's so, plus it's so hot on the heels of the Coleco Chameleon debacle. I think they're smart in like what they want to do with branding it and things like that. But I think to me, nostalgia is what fuels Atari's current existence, at least within gaming. And I think if you want to tap into that nostalgia, there's already flashbacks, there's already compilations, you know, they can port these things to mobile devices or put them on a virtual console. I don't see them. I don't see a need for this system. If it's going to be anything above and beyond a flashback. Right, As if it's if it's not similar in price to a flashback, I would say it's it's kind of a wrong decision. Like if it's over a hundred dollars, I don't know what they're doing. Right. Right. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I think eighty bucks would be the most that this thing could possibly sit at, and still, in my mind, possibly justify it. Right. I think there's some opportunity if they could get say like some more obscure stuff from like the end of their home console days like jaguar ports and things um that would be neat but i don't think that again will sell the system <laughs> i know i don't sure? buy other versions <laughs> of the shitty jaguar games i already own <laughs> to a lot of people that might be a brand new system for them though and maybe never even knew it existed so it's like brand new games i think you could make the argument that you're probably better off knowing it never existed <laughs> i don't know i'm I'm optimistic about it, but for what it is, 
either they they know what it is and they're going to price it accordingly or they're going to make it a lifestyle thing where uh, higher-end people decide that that's what they want. That's what Atari really needs is... What's the Uber Boutique NES? The Analog NT? Yes, we need an Analog 2600. I want a gold-plated... Or like, what are they? Aluminum block cut five hundred dollar Atari twenty six hundred. That's what we need. Yep. I don't need this Atari box. <laughs> I don't know. I'm with you though. Like, I hope whatever this is succeeds. I mean, I'm I'm wishing them all the best. I just feel like it's not gonna ever get off the ground, or if it does, it's just gonna f- struggle and die. I just don't see a reason for it. Like, are they just trying to cash in because Nintendo? I think so. I mean, right? Make that pointless. Yeah, I think the success of the classic seems very, you know, titillating to a lot of these other companies that could potentially do the same thing. But they don't have the fan base that Nintendo has. Right, yeah. Not anymore. I think this year's, uh, like, the Genesis consoles and the flashback, I think they actually raised the prices on them this year for the new ones because they think that they'll, you know follow the same resurgence as the Nintendo. And I don't see it. Those things have been on shelves forever. Exactly. Hmm. So do you think you can uh, do voice chat through the hats on the Atari box? (laughs) Ooh. Because that would be a much, that'd be a much better system than Nintendo's running. That's for sure. (laughs) Now we've made the connection. This is their voice chat device. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) And you won't even have to, like, run eight feet of cord. It's all Bluetooth. It's genius. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> really interested in that hat now. Yeah. I kind of want the hat. <laughs> I wonder if they got price. They don't have pricing on those yet, I don't think, do they? No, I don't think so. It's all still speculative. I'm pretty sure that's like, hey, look at this dumb thing. Would you buy it? <laughs> My answer is hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're like i buy dumb things <laughs> i'm the perfect audience <laughs> oh, gosh so something not really related to games but something that uh, kind of not really affected me i guess but would have affected me a lot more if it happened 10 years ago um chester from lincoln park decided to off himself so i just kind of want to talk about lincoln park a little bit yeah I think the biggest thing for that, like like you said, if it was ten years ago, it would have been a major, major thing. Because back then, like just their music worked well for like almost everybody that I knew, and like it was, it was big. But like their newer music, I don't know the the audience, what they were shooting for or who they were targeting, but it wasn't most of their fans from back then. So they kind of just fell off the, I guess, target for me. But still kind of surprising news when I heard it. I wasn't expecting that because i seen some interviews from him, I don't know, eight months ago or something I'd seen one. And he was talking about how happy he was and how great life was and, like, the new album and whatnot. But apparently that changed. Well, yeah, and I've been watching some, like radio interviews that he did from like the last or this year i guess and like they're pretty he's pretty open about 
how day-to-day life is a struggle for him and like he's kind of his own worst enemy inside his own head and he kind of i know i did a couple interviews that were kind of i mean they make sense now when you go back and watch them because they've been within the last few months so clearly like he was aware of it and dealing well and you could hear it in his music you know i mean some of that content it's very self-centered on your own demons and stuff and Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean for a guy who even though they're not at the height of their career they will always have a place in music history um who's got a family and he still had a career and he was you definitely didn't see that i mean i guess the same with chris cornell you didn't really expect something like that either but right the difference is chris cornell maybe saw the end right he could tell like okay my music probably isn't going to be on top anymore. But, you know, Linkin Park was still getting airplay quite a bit, Mm -hmm. even if it wasn't the same exact stuff that we were into. Yeah. Well, and plus, wasn't he still writing with STP? I mean, he had signed on to be their vocalist, but they put out an album. I mean, he had his side project, Dead by Sunrise, which seems fitting uh, now. But Yeah. Hmm. They do have all the conspiracy theories now, because... Chris Cornell has that foundation for abused kids and uh, Chester was working with him on that, I guess, or something. So there's a bunch of conspiracies about that going around. Wow. I'm trying to say that they were both murdered, not... <laughs> really. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't... People are going to come up with crazy conclusions, I suppose. <laughs> right. Denial. Yeah. Elvis is still alive. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Huh. That'll be like 10 years from now. They'll be like, oh, he's still around. Yep. <laughs> so I'm at the huh. DQ. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think Hybrid Theory was probably my most listened to album ever. Yeah. I listened to that so much. I, uh, yeah, I didn't. I bought Meteora. I thought Meteora was the better album. But I didn't ever really like that style of music, I guess. I never I never understood why like hybrid theory like shook the world the way it did, but it connected with a lot of people, that's for sure. I think it was it hit me at that right, like angsty teenage time. This was, you know, kind of before emo music really took off too. Right. And a lot of their stuff was definitely kind of that. Yeah. Well plus they were just heavier than anybody else who was doing like rap rock at the time. Which I think was I feel like I'm in the same situation. Like that was probably my favorite album. Um, I do like Meteora, and then uh, uh, what is it? Minutes to Midnight. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the name of the one that. Done with all the clapping. No, I don't know. <laughs> There's just yeah. like three or four songs on there that worked really well with their, in my opinion, what could have been their previous albums too. Yeah, and then the rest was just kind of that tipping point of where they were like completely leaving the genre that had made them famous. Yeah. Well, plus you got Reanimation, which had a Gundam on the front, so of course I'm going to buy that. <laughs> That's just like the the remix one, Remixes. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That was more of a hip hop album more than anything, I think. But I think I did get that one too, but it wasn't huge on my list. But I think after Hybrid Theory in general, like they flipped the balance from rock to more hip hop and rap. Even Meteora is more focused on that. Yeah. 
and especially there on out it was well before they became like their newest album i guess is almost more electronic or edm than anything mm-hmm. right well it seemed like chester was more into like the new new poppy sound and like the rapper dude he just kept wanting to rap you know yeah what did he do the last couple albums like just sit in the back like what do you do at a concert like yeah hey, guys yeah. i'll be back in like 20 i'm gonna go grab a slice of pizza <laughs> come back and rap on this track I don't yeah know. he might not even be part of it who knows i don't know i i think he's still part of the band but yeah it's like he must obviously be playing instruments or something you would think yeah it's still sad i guess yeah hate to see a guy go but i don't know if we're losing music i would i would right. say there's a debate on twitter that i was kind of following when the day that it was announced and it it's kind of iffy on what they were saying but um one of them was he was thanking all these musicians for taking themselves out i guess because it's opening up the door for new music to come in he got lit up pretty good on twitter yeah that seems like something you wouldn't say like it's not something you should say like the new music's gonna come anyways you're just losing out on you know stuff that you look back to and think about how great it was but it's not something that you want to say it's just stupid people on the internet yep plus you just do it the way like tupac and prince do it you just put out music after your dad right right oh i'm sure that's coming no doubt that's coming they did cancel their tour though but they haven't said they're disbanding which is the thing that kind of blows my mind like are you really going to bring in another singer yeah, how do you replace that? Yeah, that's not going to work too well. Right. Especially since they were kind of middling already, like on staying relevant. Like, people went to see them because they grew up listening to that music. I don't think you were going to see them too much as a new fan. So if you're taking out one of the key components to, you know, the tracks that you like at a live show or something, I don't see that working real well. Right. I want him to yell shut up at me like ten times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> not whatever he's up to now <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of a bummer Today's topic, the news came out either today or yesterday that Adobe was ending support for Flash in 2020. Browsers have been kind of phasing it out already, but there were ways to make it run. Uh, it's mainly because there's a lot of security issues with Flash, so they've been slowly phasing it out. But I think this has a big impact on Flash games that have been basically been on the internet since ever since I could remember, I guess. Um, so seeing all those, uh, kind of just disappear 
uh, it's kind of a shame, even though none of them really stuck around like they were classic games that we're so fond of on NES and Super Nintendo and all that. I don't know. I kind of have nostalgia in general for Flash games. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, definitely Flash games were huge, you know, in the early days of the internet. Like, every game was Flash-based for the most part. And then even just, like, videos in general. Like, when people started getting into uploading short-form videos that they made, I mean, Flash was always the home for all of that, too, um, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And even up through, I mean, I can remember going to like Flash websites and playing tons of games like 2006 and stuff even. What was your go-to site? I can't even remember. It was whatever one hosted Funky Trunk. Or Funky Trunk? Funky Truck. You guys ever play Funky Truck? I think I did, actually. Sort of like Trials, but with like a stupid truck. Like a big jacked up monster truck. And there was like four of them. And there was a site that hosted all of those, and there was a, a bunch of other great games that I would just play in class in college on my web browser when I was supposed to be listening to a lecture. It's probably the same one that I always went to, too. I can't think of what it was called, though, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a game that I played, too. Uh, so many games, thinking back, that you played that, you know, they weren't great games by any means, but right. like, it was a good time waster. Good, you know, you find a website that has you know, hundreds of games, scroll through, click one, play it for a little bit. Um, just so much fun for a short period of time. All that's gone. <laughs> yeah. The one I remember fondly was Newgrounds. I bet that was the one I'm thinking of. It was kind of like green and black, and it had like a tank for the logo. Yep, yep. Yeah. I bet that's it. Yeah, that, was, that one was a lot of fun. Had a lot of cool games on there. Yeah, there was just... I, yeah, I'm looking at Newgrounds now. I bet I, if this wasn't the one that I was going to all the time, it was one that I went to quite a bit. Just the layout looks somewhat familiar even still now. One thing I distinctly remember was in college we'd get like four or five of us sitting in a row um, in class again when we're supposed to be learning. And there was like this Adobe Flash version of like Pictionary. So then we would all just share what the answer was. And then we would just take turns. It was like an eight-room lobby, so we'd own, we'd have half of it. And then we would just draw horrible shit on the screen with all these like random people, just like people taking craps on people and <laughs> nude women. And then you know, in the last five seconds, somebody would punch in the answer because we just sent it to them through Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty entertaining. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Huh. And super immature. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if there's gonna there's gonna be some community that's gonna pick up pick this up though, right? And like do like a database and like a, keep these things going somehow. Yeah, I mean, in the last probably five years, there's been ways to kind of port it over to uh, different. There's new web platforms like WebGL, and there's another one out there. I forget what it's called. So I'm sure that's part of it. But if you don't own the source code, that's tough to do. And you know, a lot of those people made them back when they were in school or, you know, they haven't even thought about those flash games that they made sure, in forever. So, and there wasn't really a way to just like for code management online back then real well. So I'm sure they're lost to time. A lot of it. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. It was such a key piece of, um, you know, the internet becoming what it's become today. I mean, 
to see it go away altogether that it would be phased out is kind of crazy. I mean, you'd still be able to, in theory, run these games if you could install... You'd, I mean, you'd think someone's going to have like torrents out there of like old versions of Flash, right? That you'd be able to... I mean, if you so desired to be able to get these things to work. Or do you think that it, you just won't be able to find the games, period? So You'd be able to load them up in the Flash program itself, like what you make Flash games in, maybe. That might work if you have the code. Just not through your browser? Because I suppose the browser wouldn't be able to like interact with the the Flash add-in or plug-in, right? Right. At some point, the browser is just going to deny that, I think, altogether. Wouldn't that be just in like newer updates, too? So if you have a computer that's older and haven't updated... Yeah, that's true. Your browser is still going to have it, so... Sure, especially like Windows, like IE, older IE. Yeah. Now all browsers kind of self-update themselves, so... So now you're going to need to like run like a a browser, like a windowed browser inside of a partitioned like 98, Windows 98 computer or something stupid. <clears throat> Further go down the rabbit hole that is trying to PC retro game. <laughs> This is my flash machine. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that we're talking about it, I kind of want to do that. It sounds amazing. <laughs> what? You've never played Funky Truck? Well, you haven't lived. <laughs> it's like Trials, a way better game that's much more modern, but play this one. <laughs> yeah, it runs at 10 F- or FPS. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was always the thing with Flash games is like Flash games were only ever good when they were at their simplest, like two input buttons. Like if you got anything more than like forward, backwards and like a jump button, it kind of went to hell most of the time. Yep. Yep. Most, most likely because it was uh, very dependent on the computer's performance. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and a lot of that could vary quite a bit in those early years. Uh, one thing is like Justin was saying, like you just go through and just boot through them click one go to the next one wonder if that's what it's like for people who use like emulators quite a bit for older games like don't have any nostalgia for it never grew up with it but they have an emulator full of all the nes games do you just kind of do the same thing you know yeah i would assume that's same situation i was actually just talking to a guy at work because he was talking about how he just got that RetroPie, I guess, with a ton of games. <laughs> and I was like, well, which game are you most excited about? He's like, I don't know. I'm just going to cycle through them all. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, then you never really get to experience anything. Right? Yeah. yeah, you play for a minute and you don't really get what the game is even. Well, that's kind of why when I hacked my NES Classic, I never did like the second revision where you could you you put the entire library on there. Because I was like, by the time I'm getting to the point where I can get 80 games on here, if I go beyond that, I'm just going to spend all my time like trying everything out. I'm never going to actually get into <clears throat> the meat of anything. So I think, yeah, I think that is a problem with like emulation in that regard, where it's just sensory overload. Sure. It was kind of neat, though, because I guess he's giving it to his grandson or something. Or oh, yeah? Kid or something. So at least his kid can... You know, try some of the fun games. Most, a lot of kids probably miss out on because their parents don't care. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Where if you're Andy or I, you go to a store and your kid's like, Daddy, let's get that game. And your answer is always, we already have it. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is probably the wor- <laughs> the wrong end of the spectrum to be on, I guess. It's definitely not, doesn't make much financial sense. This is true. Yeah, I had a uh, contractor over here to look at putting an egress window in like what's left of my game room. I think he was kind of horrified that, you know, a middle-aged man had, like, all these amiibos and, like, video games just piled up in this room. He's like, gaming room, huh? I was like, yeah, it used to be. And he's like, oh, I bet you don't have time with that, with much time for that with kids anymore. I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so any last closing, closing thoughts on, on Flash disappearing? Not really. Yeah. R.I.P.? It's been fun. Yeah. It's much better options now. It'll probably be a news story in the next two weeks that Flash hung itself in a hotel room somewhere. (laughs) And then there'll be a conspiracy theory that Unity killed it. Moving on to Byrant Burn, our uh, continuing segment of the podcast where we look at three games. Each of us picks one, take a look at them, and we decide which of the three we would personally buy, rent, or burn. Um, And up this week, we've got a selection from Andy, Widget, for the NES. Uh, This is an Atlas title, and it was released in 1992. Justin has gone with Three Dirty Dwarves for the Sega Saturn Appaloosa Interactive looks to be the publisher, and it was released in 1997. And myself, I have gone with Biohazard Battle for the Sega Genesis. Uh, Looks to be Sega published, and that was also released in 1992. So to kick things off, Andy, let's get into into Widget. Sure, yeah. Widget is a NES game published by Atlas, which probably not a lot of people know that they were even around back then. They didn't develop it, I don't believe. But it's a platformer action game, but it looks amazing to me. I really like the colors and the animation in that game, but there's definitely some frustrating parts. But overall, I think it's a pretty decent game. It is based on a cartoon from the early 90s, which I didn't even know existed. had no idea. I rented this game when I was a young boy and uh, had a lot of fun with it enough to actually remember it (laughs) today but yeah now i might have to go back and check out that cartoon i'm sure it's awful but yeah i had no idea no idea there was a cartoon called widget it looked like something that hanna barbera would do (laughs) so i definitely don't want to watch it probably not (laughs) i had a lot of fun with it but there was a lot of frustration kind of going back to this game i got to some points where i don't think i had enough uh, MP to unlock the special item that I needed to get across. 
something. So, like, I just had to leave the level. And I don't know if that was, like, the way you're supposed to do it, but it seemed like I was completely stuck. Did you guys ever run into that? I didn't run into that, but I definitely ran into, like, some frustrating level design where they were very blatantly kind of cheap with enemy placements. You know, enemies put in positions where they're designed to knock you back into pits for instant deaths. And then, you know, there's definitely a lot of the type of large gaps, especially early on in the game, where it's like if you didn't get a full moving jump, you were not going to make that gap, um, followed by an enemy sitting there that you couldn't see off screen. So that was kind of frustrating. Um, not that the design of the game wasn't well done. You know, the art style is good. Um, the controls are tight. You know, the, the power-up system, all of that's good. I just think that there was kind of some dirty pool when it came to the level design itself. Oh, for sure. And, well, any game with knockback can get frustrating, right? If you have mm-hmm. precise jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the worst offenses, I think, in this game that I ran across was uh, your your shooting wasn't consistent. So depending on how many people, how many enemies were on screen, I think the limitation of the NES was how many bullets you could put out at one time. Because there was often times that I could only put one bullet out, and then a little bit later I could do as many as I wanted and like that's not that's not cool in a game you know you need to keep that consistent I found the closer the enemies were to you the faster you could fire but if you were shooting across green you had to wait forever before you could fire again maybe that's what it was yeah there was like one or two bullets on screen that's it so as soon as the one hit you could fire again but if they're yeah yeah I did like how you know when he's when he's shooting his gun he you know, closes his one eye like he's aiming down the sights. That's right. kind of a cool, interesting touch. Yeah, it was a nice little animation. I, I appreciated that, too. I didn't like... It's kind of funny, too, like, right off the bat, speaking of, like, cheap level design, in that very first level, like, there's enemies underneath a second platform that you can't get to at all, so you're just constantly having to avoid their shots from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Kind of a fitting introduction to the level design of that game. Yep. And I don't remember, like, I didn't obviously p- play all the way through it, but I don't know if you're supposed to return to those levels to get to those areas. Oh, that I could mean, be. I mean, eventually, eventually you do unlock, like, a little mouse guy that can get into smaller areas. Well, there was stuff down there, I think. Yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah, I just don't know if you have to return or what. Could be. that Maybe there's, pro- there's probably more depth to it than I even realized. <laughs> I didn't give it a whole lot of time. I mean, I played a fair amount, but I didn't get to be honest like i wasn't real patient with the game so i didn't get super far um in levels because i would just try and push through which is definitely not the way to play a game like that you gotta take your time no i definitely wanted to unlock all the gun upgrades as well and i never did get to that so i don't know what that looks like either that would have been something neat to see but yeah well at the very least it seems like a very well designed and built game um, for the later end of the nes life Mm mm-hmm and then Justin, you uh, you went with three dirty dwarves. I did. I guess it's a side-scrolling type game, beat 'em up type. You have three different characters. Uh, you can play up to three players, but you do have three characters. They don't have a health meter, so when you get hit enough times, your guy just goes away. You can summon them back or get them back with picking up. I guess it's. D&D based? I didn't realize that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Like it, it's 
Got a little in, bit of information on that. You're playing as the three dwarves summoned by a group of kids that are kidnapped while playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so, um, the items in there are like a D&D dice that gives you a power-up. So that's how you get your people back. Three different characters have different attacks. One is, I think it was a shotgun. The other one's got a baseball bat. I don't remember what the other one has. I think a bowling ball. Is that what it was? Yeah. I just remember playing that game quite a bit. <laughs> when a friend would come over, he'd bring a Saturn over, and we'd play it. Because you can do up to three-player cooperative on that, right? Yep. So each person would then control a character. You pick which one you want to be, and then I think it just goes... I didn't actually get to play it because I don't have a Saturn, but I think like the order you're in, if you get hit, then you have to wait until you get brought back into the game, and then you have to wait for the other two to die to actually play again. I don't remember for sure, but the one I, I watched a few videos, and it was all single-player videos is what I could find. I remember it being quite a bit of fun. I think it's also on PC, but yeah, I think you're right. I played it on Saturn. It's got a very good art style, <clears throat> and like I like the animated cutscenes in between levels and stuff. Definitely didn't look like anything else, especially at that time. You know, mm-hmm. to see a a two D brawler like that, you know, with some three D elements in ninety seven when that came out. That's kind of kind of unique. Yeah, I absolutely loved how it looks. At first, I was surprised that you were bringing a porno to this section of our <laughs> podcast, and I wasn't going to kink shame you. But then I did a little bit of research, and yeah, I also don't have this game. I do have a Saturn, but this game is unfortunately, like most other Saturn games, a little pricey. So I watched a few videos, and it really definitely is something that would probably be up my alley. So if I find it cheap enough, I think I'm going to have to grab that to try it out. Yeah, definitely. I don't think I've ever come across this game, even at like a convention or anything, at least. Or maybe it's not been on my radar either. That's probably part of it, but it's got to be a little bit more uncommon. Yeah, I I believe so. They definitely have a lot of frames of animation and a lot of hand-drawn art, it seems like. So it's really cool. Yeah, and the scrolling background stuff looks amazing. The Saturn was really good at that, like hand-drawn sprites. Yeah, this is probably one of, like, three games I ever really played on the Saturn. And this was one of the main ones, just because it's fun when playing with other people. Especially in, like, a beat-em-up genre like that, where it's easy to get repetitive and boring. It makes it a lot more enjoyable when you can play with a couple other people at the same time, co-op. Yeah. Right. The music was pretty good in that, too, from the Let's Plays I watched. Definitely very 90s for the time it came out, and very Sega-sounding. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of Sega, you actually brought a Sega Genesis game. That's supposed to be me. I know. I I was going to turn things on its head this week. Change it up a little. I did. I went with Biohazard Battle, which is a side-scrolling shooter for the Genesis. Everything's kind of got like an organic feel to it. Like all the ships you take are somewhat space alien, sea creature, insect-ish looking, um, as are all the enemies. In the game, it's got your typical power-up system where it's colored. I think there's four. Is there red, yellow, green, and blue? Four or five. Yeah. yeah. And then as you continue to collect colors, they're the same colors. It stacks up um, power-ups. 
So it's kind of it kind of reminded me, you know, a lot of like blazing lasers or something, and and how you play that, where you spend almost as much time avoiding the wrong color as you do trying to shoot the enemies coming on screen. Um, but just the art style of it, I think, is well. The music is very good. You can tell right off the bat. Um, it's got a great s- soundtrack, but then the the art style, just the way they animated the enemies, <clears throat> everything looks so like organic and kind of disgusting um, and great, like really crisp. I think there's like, is it that third stage where that leech like pops out of a log and just the way that that thing moves is just kind of mind blowing for a Genesis game. And I'm not real great at shooters, but I enjoy this one. I can progress um, a few levels in before I, you know, can't make it any further. Yep. Well, I I do have one small correction for you. It's not called biohazard over here. It's called resident evil. Oh yeah, that's right. I should have got that. (laughs) Resident Evil Battle. Uh, no, I played this one quite a bit, actually. I I don't know. It's interesting because it is a Sega-published game. Most of, like, the Genesis shooters are, like, Compile or, you know, the, the mainstays that that's pretty much all they do, the shooters. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of cool that they just kind of threw their hat in their ring and made something similar, but it's also kind of different, too. The enemies are huge compared to a lot of those, like Konami and one and other shooters. But like right off the bat, you're kind of like going down diagonally, which is kind of a trick. Like obviously, it's not; it's just scrolling that way. It's not the background scrolling that way. It's actually not doing anything. But it's a different feel right off the bat. Um, and like you said, the art as you go through is is pretty cool. It's like not the same thing over and over. It's not like Oh, here's a planet, you know, and here's some asteroids here, and the enemies are are, are kind of interesting. I also like the, like the little option guy that follows you or is next to you. Oh yes, thank you. I couldn't think of what they were called. Yeah, they they uh, you kind of like aim the use the the controller in the opposite direction of where you want to shoot almost because it shoots the backside of whatever direction you're going, right? Mm-hmm. So it's. It is kind of weird that way. I don't know if I've ever seen a game that kind of has that There's system. There's a, a Neo Geo game, Last Something, uh, that uses the same control uh, with the option. It sort of reminded me of it. It's the only other game I can think of that does it like that. Yeah. I should look that up. It's something to get used to, for sure. It's not something that comes right away. Definitely. I felt that... If it was on like an arcade cabinet with that type of handle, it would have been much easier to play it. Yeah. I had trouble with the aiming of that. Last Resort, that's the game that controls the same from Neo Geo. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the control thing comes into play because, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of large sprites on screen. And even for a shooter, your ship is pretty large uh, for that screen. So I think it's hard sometimes to evade stuff. Um, because it just kind of pops out of nowhere, and you do have a larger ship, so it makes controlling the game a little hard. Yeah, I felt like it's zoomed in right more than a lot of other games are, a lot yep. of shooters. I would agree. All right, so now that we've gotten through our picks and kind of talked about a little bit, um, let's go back through and decide uh, which of those we would buy, rent, and burn, and Andy, we can kick that off with you again. Sure. So... This is a tough pick for me, I think. If I would have played Three Dirty Dwarves, I think that might have probably been my buy. 
but I don't know if I'd feel comfortable putting it up there without playing it, not having the right feel of it. So I'll probably say my buy is Biohazard Battle. Just I do enjoy shooters, even though I'm not great at them. I don't think it's a top-tier shooter on the Genesis by any means, but I think it's still pretty enjoyable. And then for my rent, I'm going to do Widget, which is a rental that I had quite a bit in the past. I know I've done it a few times. I enjoy it even today, but it's definitely got some <laughs> playability issues as far as design and uh, <laughs> and just overall uh, feel of it. And sadly, I'll have to put Three Dirty Dwarves down in burn, even though I don't think it deserves burn in the classical sense of how this show has been going. Um, but given we don't have another option, it ha- it kind of falls there, I guess. Right. Like, I, I hate to sell say it's a burn, especially if I have not played it. How about we'll just say for this episode, it's the back burner, and we'll get to it when we get a chance to actually play it. There we go. There we go. Yeah, so I think Three Dirty Dwarves is probably something that I might return to if I ever get the chance to play it. How about you, Justin? I would have to go, I guess, uh, my buy would be Three Dirty Dwarves, just because I played it quite a bit when I was younger. A friend would come over, like I said before. My rent would be Widget. Uh, just the, the gameplay behind that was kind of frustrating, but again, it was fun. And I'm not a big fan of the shooting type games for the like Biohazard Battle was. Played them quite a few times at MGC. Um, I can't think of what the one game is that we played over and over again that I hated. But <laughs> that one reminded me of it, so it's going to be my burn. It kind of makes me sad a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alright, so my buy, I guess would be biohazard battle i don't know i'm not a big shooter guy uh, but there are certain shooter games that especially since i've gotten a turbo graphics that just kind of really click with me that i like to sit down and go through every once in a while um and biohazard battle is one of those i think for me it's one of the better shoot 'em ups i've played i just like the visual style um, i like the music so that would be that would be my pick i would buy that one um widget i think would be next up for me for a rental uh, it's a it's a well put together game but it's definitely something that i could see myself just putting down and not coming back to for a while um, but it is something that i definitely um like to pick up from time to time and one that i'll probably try and add to my nes collection now and then um on the back burner i guess i'm gonna throw three th- dirty dwarves because again um you know i don't like andy i didn't get a chance to play it <clears throat> i own a saturn but not the game and i've not had any previous experience with it and being Saturn's kind of hard to emulate. I didn't really get to do anything other than watch Let's Plays. I think it looks like a great game, though. Um, and it's definitely one I'm going to be keeping an eye out for going forward. So, yeah, a little bit of an unconventional by Rendburn. So you can go to weekendpodcast.com to make your vote on our by Rendburn. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We record your vote and throw your email in there, and you'll get notified every time. Uh, new vote goes live so we definitely want to hear from you you can even add comments now can't you yep for sure so tell us how much you have to say (laughs) (laughs) yep that's uh weekendpodcast.com go there now (laughs) (laughs) all right so like andy said um we got the the website 
theweekendpodcast.com. Um, we also have an email. It's going to be weekendrentalpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, just search for Weekend Rental Podcast. Um, you can get in touch with us at Twitter. It's at Weekend Rental PC. Or you can just search Weekend Rental Podcast. It should come up as well. Uh, you can also find it the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And as always, be kind, rewind.